Today we are kicking off a new series that's called Pray Like Jesus. You know, if we're serious about living and loving like Jesus, then we should probably learn how to pray like Jesus, right? And if Jesus was here today and we ask him, how should we pray? I know the answer to that. And the reason is, is because in Matthew 6, as Jesus was teaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, when you pray, and he gave us a pattern for prayer. Also in Luke 11, when Jesus' disciples asked him, teach us to pray, he responded in the exact same way. And that way is what we call the Lord's Prayer. Now, what Jesus had in mind with the Lord's Prayer is not that we would learn what to say, that we would memorize every word and we would say it over and over and over and that would be our prayers. But what he was responding with is a pattern for prayer. He was trying to teach us how to pray. Jesus was a man of prayer. And if we want to be people of prayer, there is really no better example to look at and look to than Jesus. Today, we've created our entire worship experience around the Lord's Prayer. We're not going to sing some and then preach some. Actually, throughout this next few moments together, we're going to have opportunity to learn about prayer to worship through song and also to practice praying like Jesus. And our hope is this, that we'll learn how to pray like Jesus, that we'll actually experience how to pray like Jesus. And that will help us when we gather together to worship and we pray, or actually when you're praying alone, wherever you might be in the rest of the days of the week. And so here's our ask to engage. Don't sit there as a spectator today. We would encourage you to pray with us, to sing with us, to share with us as we learn how to pray like Jesus. You're welcome to sit. You're welcome to stand. You're welcome to kneel, whatever you might feel led to it at various parts throughout the service. But please just engage as we journey into learning how to pray from Jesus. And so right now, what I'm going to ask you to do is stand wherever you're at. And I want to ask you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. just by worshiping God through adoration together. So sing this with me. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. Come on, here we go. There's joy in the house of the Lord.
Because he has rescued us from death and into life. And this next part just sings a little bit of what that story is like. Sing it with me. Because we were the beggars, and now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. All right, sing that again with me. of the Lord is filled and should be filled with praise today. In fact, that's how the Lord's prayer begins, with adoration. It's really important when we start to pray that we know who we're praying to, right? And so Jesus begins by pointing our attention to the one that we pray to. And he begins the Lord's prayer by saying, our Father. I'm not sure what your relationship with your earthly father is. It might be really positive. It might have had some challenges. But again, it's really important to know who our Heavenly Father is. And Scripture is very clear in revealing God's character. Scripture tells us that God is holy, that God is powerful, that God is trustworthy, that God is engaged as a Father, that He's compassionate, He's slow to anger, He's abounding in love. When we read all those descriptions about God, it should give us confidence when we go to pray to Him our Father in heaven. Jesus is pointing our attention to the one he knows as Father. He relates to God as Father, and the good news is, as he invites us, he tells us that we're his children too. Our Father in heaven. That term, our Father, is a very intimate term. It's a relationship that God has promised to care for his children in the best way possible. But also that phrase, Jesus says, our Father in heaven, it reminds us that Jesus is intimate, yet he is transcendent. 
He is sovereign. He's not our pal or our chum. He actually is the one that we revere. There should be a sense of awe when we encounter God. Awe for who he is, but also a deep respect for who he is. That his character is being revealed to us as a dad who is sovereign over all the universe. And that's who we talk to when we pray. Would you pray with me just that opening line of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus gives us something to do in this prayer, to hallow the name of the Lord. That word hallow just means to make holy or to treat as holy. And when we think about that, not only is God's character to be recognized, but it's also to be represented in the way that we live our lives. That's how we hallow the name of the Lord not just by speaking it. He's not just prohibiting the use of the Lord's name in vain, what we say, but he's also asking us to live in a way that reflects God's character. That's how you and I can hallow the name of the Lord. We can revere it and we can honor it. His character is recognized and represented by us. He is worthy of our worship and praise. That's how Jesus teaches us to begin our prayers, praising God for who he is. So we're gonna do that now again by singing, praising God for his character, hallowing his name. I hope you'll join us. Well, like Phil said at the top, you can feel free to sit or you can stand with us or you can kneel, you can pray out loud or you can sing or you can pray quietly. Our only ask is that you engage in what God is doing today. And when you call on the name of Jesus, you actually import all of these ideas that the Bible would speak about him. Let's go ahead and put this slide on the screen. This is, uh, these are some lyrics of a song that we sing here often, uh, speaking about how Jesus is worthy of his name. And so uh, we're just gonna take some time and sing through these ideas, but I encourage you uh, to pray or to sing. What is, what is something that you know is true about God? Maybe you need to sing that he is your author and maker and ransom and savior. Maybe you need to sing of his faithfulness. Maybe you need to pray and thank him for how he's provided for you this week or this morning. Let's just take some time uh, to bring this to the Lord, to ascribe worth to him, to adore him for who he is. God, I know I need to thank you for your faithfulness. Say 
just your words. Tell them who he is. Hollow his name. Treat his name as holy together. You're my hope in the shadows, my strength in the battle. We see the battle raging, God. But you're my hope, you're my strength. When darkness walks, you are my hope. That's who we worship today. This next section of the Lord's Prayer, you can grab a seat if you want. This next section is what we would call contending. You might even give a word um, submission. It's a prayer of submission. Would you say it with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, praying this phrase it aligns our heart with the heart of God. It's a, it's a prayer of submission that we are submitting our will to the will of the Father. And it's not just something that Jesus said flippantly, right? Because we probably know that later in the life of Jesus, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And he knows that there is a cross awaiting him and he makes a very desperate prayer to his Father. He says, Father, if there is any way possible, take this cup of suffering from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was submitting his will to the will of the Father. I think it's important to notice that Jesus makes a request. He says, take the cup away from me. God, if there's any other way, he's making a desperate request. And that gives me hope that you and I can make requests of God. We might. Pray desperately for a, a loved one who's ill. 
We may pray desperately for a job opportunity to open. We might pray desperately for there to be reconciliation between a relationship. Those are desperate prayers. They're, they're big prayers. They're, they're asking God for things that might seem impossible or just be too hard to bear. And so it's okay to ask those prayers of God, but we follow Jesus' pattern in prayer and in life when he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus is praying and pointing us to what's important to the heart of God, a result of his kingdom coming, his will being done here on earth as it actually is in heaven. Well, what does that look like? Well, when Jesus' kingdom, when God's kingdom is here on this earth, we know what it looks like. We learned that earlier this year, that, that God's kingdom is about God's reign through God's people over God's place. And what that looks like is that God's character is being crystallized in the life of those who call themselves those who love God. It, it means that justice and, and reconciliation and righteousness is abounding because God's reign is here on earth as it is in heaven. It also means that his creation is being restored into its created purpose and design, that, that peace and shalom are, are filling the earth because God is reigning. And, and he reigns sovereignly, but he reigns individually in each of our lives as well too. So we learn through praying like Jesus, what's important to, to God's heart? And that's what becomes important to our heart that his will and his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we're gonna sing a song that actually gives us some language to pray. The, the chorus and the bridge of this next song actually expresses what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes from heaven to earth and it is living out through God's people. So let's worship together.
reminder here to lift up your heads, to lift up your hearts, to lift up your eyes. Sing this out with me. something we have to want for anymore through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's actually bringing his kingdom in our hearts and through our lives everywhere around us. It's through his people that he's ushering in his kingdom. And that's why we pray, God, don't let my will be done. Let your will be done. You bring your kingdom here to this earth through me. You know, when we look at the prayers of Jesus, and there's a couple recorded throughout scripture, we see like in John 17, something that Jesus prays for. That is a picture of the kingdom of God coming from heaven to earth. He prays, I pray that, that those who believe in me would be one, just like you and I are one God. And that's a powerful prayer. But what does it look like practically? Well, I think for us as a congregation, what it looks like is for us to have a singular focus be aligned in, in purpose and in heart about hallowing God's name. Not by just what we say, but how we live. By administering justice and peace and shalom in this community around us. It looks like us loving each other, caring for each other, being united in spirit and in purpose, following our leader, our King, Jesus. It also means though, I think Jesus had something bigger than just this one congregation when he was praying that prayer. He was praying for the church. 
When I say church, what I'm meaning is not just crossroads. We are part of the church, but we are not the church. In fact, I've tried to discipline my words here recently to when I refer to crossroads, if I just say crossroads, if I say some other word, I choose to use congregation to remind me that we are a gathering of God's people, but we're not all of God's people. That the church, there is one church, one church here in Evansville, one church around the world, and we are part of that. And Jesus had that church in mind when he prayed that the church would be one as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one. You know, after coming back to Evansville, one of the things that I've appreciated the most is a growing sense of kingdom partnership that exists here that I don't think was here at least 20 years ago. When I think about what God's doing in this community, I see his church. I see a collection of congregation and God-centered people who are working together maybe like never before. I love that there's a sense of cooperation and collaboration that's growing instead of a sense of comparison or competition. My friends, as your pastor, as as one of your leaders, I want to challenge all of us to be united with each other, but also to remember that there are other brothers and sisters in Christ right here in our community that we need to love, that we need to work with, that we need to encourage, that we need to support, that we need to partner with. So this morning, just as a challenge for you and for me as a congregation, I want to live out this prayer in a tangible way today and just to offer a prayer for somebody else other than our congregation. And I'm gonna ask you if you would join with me to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who actually worship at One Life Church here in the Evansville area. They actually have three campuses. They have a One Life East, One Life West, and One Life Henderson over there in God's country, right? And so I wanna encourage you to join me in praying for One Life Church. Brett Nicholson is the pastor at One Life Church. He's become a, a dear friend. I trust him as a friend. I trust him as a pastor. I trust him as my brother in Christ. And the people that he leads in the congregation he serves are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're gonna pray for them right now. Would you join me? God, thank you for what you're doing in this city, in this community, God. Thank you for what you're doing through your church. God, it's, we're humbled and privileged to be part of your church. God, as a congregation, we know we have brothers and sisters in Christ all around us. And today specifically, we lift up One Life Church. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters there that they would be united in spirit and purpose with you. Pray that they would love each other deeply, that they would serve this community and the community around them, God, with humble hearts and with faithful service. God, I pray that we would lock arms with One Light Church and, and the rest of this community of faith, God, to do what you see best in this community, for heaven to come to earth through all of us, Lord, because we're your people. God, we're going to spend eternity together, so we better get used to loving each other now. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue the work that you're doing in your church for your glory, for your purposes, that the kingdom of God would come from heaven to earth and would reign, especially over this place, God, through your people, we pray, through the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. As we continue on through uh, Jesus' prayer, we're now going to take uh, a look at the, the portion of prayer that we label petition. Jesus uh, put our attention in the right place to begin with. He first points our attention to God, our Father. He says, that's who we're praying to. And then he talks about his kingdom coming to earth, his will being done, to make that a matter of first importance. 
But the next section of prayer is a place that we can lay our needs before God in petition. And they're important, but they're also secondary. Jesus models for us praying for our daily needs. Jesus said later in the Sermon on the Mount, if, if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you what you ask for, what you need? He actually said those words after telling us not to worry about what we'll eat or drink or even what we'll wear. He's pointing our attention to a, a heavenly Father who knows our needs and has promised to meet them. He's a good, good Father. We can trust Him. He's promised to meet our needs. The ancient world lived much more hand to mouth than we do, especially in our country. But when Jesus prays for their daily needs to be met, he's, he's reminiscing back to the Old Testament where the people of Israel were wandering through the wilderness and God provided them food every day. It was bread every day. And that bread was called manna. And they were given instructions just to gather enough for that one day that if they tried to save it up for the next day, it would actually spoil. That is a practice independence. And while many of our needs are taken care of physically, all of us have needs, whether they be spiritual, emotional, relational, and we depend on our Heavenly Father to meet those needs, to provide for us. Our Heavenly Father knows our needs and He promises to meet them. We can trust them. I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named George Mueller. George Mueller lived in England in the 1800s, and he ran a series of orphanages that probably cared for more than 10,000 kids in his lifetime. But something significant about George Mueller is he was actually known as one of the most powerful prayer warriors that maybe Christendom has ever seen. Well, how do we know that? Well, he actually kept a journal of his prayers before God, and he journaled 50,000 prayer requests that God had answered. That's incredible. In fact, he would note that about 30,000 of those prayers were met the same day. How do we know that? Well, this is the way George Mueller lived. Like, God, we need to feed the kids in the orphanage today. How will you provide their needs? And sure enough, a milk truck would break down out in front of the Orphanage Probably wasn't a truck in the 1800s. Just, just go with me though. That's something carrying milk, right? Break down in front of the orphanage and they would have milk. Somebody would call and say, I wanna make a donation to the orphanage and God would provide. He never published the needs of the orphanage in any newsletter or any communication. It was only after the fact of detailing how God had answered that prayer to meet daily needs that George Mueller would point people's attention to God. Someone asked him, what's the key to your prayer life, George? And he said two things. I trust God as my father. That's what Jesus was teaching us to pray, right? And second of all, I pray scripture. Maybe some of you are sitting here today going, I'd like to pray more, but I just don't know what to say. Or I always kind of seize up when somebody says, hey, will you pray whether it's for a meal or a small group or in some gathering? You don't know what to say. I'd encourage you to just pray scripture. Share the words of God back to him. It helps position and train and shape our heart to know him as our father and to trust him as our father. Like I said, let's pray that portion of the Lord's prayer together. Would you join me? Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily 
And most of us don't really understand need like the rest of the world, but God promises to provide our needs. And he does that maybe in ways that we have never even recognized or seen. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven, from God, our Father. He continues to meet and provide our needs. And when we see that, our dependence on him should prompt gratitude. God can be trusted. He is faithful to his promises to meet every need that we have. One of the reasons we pray for our daily needs is to trust him as the source for our needs. And one of the reasons that we give tithes and offerings is to acknowledge him as the source of those things and also to say thank you. So we're gonna do that right now as a practice of worship, living out the prayer that Jesus prayed to ask God for our daily needs, but also to thank him for it. If you wanna participate in giving today, you can do that in a couple ways. If you are worshiping with us online, you can simply text the word giving to 812-858-8668. Or any of you can do that or download the Crossroads app. If you're here worshiping with us in person, as you leave today, there's some black boxes you can drop, check cash there, whatever you like to do. I'm gonna ask you to pause right now and pray on your own. Just to pray a prayer of gratitude to God for the many ways that he has met your daily needs. I'd encourage you to mention some specifically. Let's pray together. part of Jesus' prayer is a prayer of confession. Jesus models for us to confess our sins and to offer forgiveness to others. And he uses a word, debts. That original word, debt, is actually equal to the word sin. While Jesus was perfect and he needed no forgiveness, the rest of us do, right? And so Jesus was showing us a pattern of how to kind of take inventory of the way that we live like him. Maybe to look at the ways that we are hallowing his name or maybe not so much. And to express our confessions to God. Somebody said that this part of the Lord's prayer should just be a fill in the blank. God forgive a big blank and we just fill it in with those specific things, those specific ways that we know that we have fallen short of the glory of God. The way that we've disobeyed what God told us not to do or disobeyed what God told us to do. Here's the good news. 1 John 1.19 says, if we confess our sins, he, meaning God, is faithful and just. He will forgive us all of our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. I want you to know that the blood of Jesus is what purifies us, brings forgiveness to us. It is not the act of confession. If that was the case, we'd have to remember every sin we've ever committed and make sure we mention them in confession or we're in trouble, right? We don't have to live in fear. Notice Jesus' prayer says, forgive us our sins or our debts. It's plural. That means it includes all of them, right? All of our sins are confessed before God and all of our sins are canceled by what Jesus did for us on the cross. It was completed. His blood purifies us from all sin. There's a direct connection between God's forgiveness in our life and our forgiveness to those around us. 
When we realize our sinfulness and that God has forgiven us of all of our sins by Jesus' death and resurrection, we should be motivated, I'd even say compelled, to forgive anyone who may have sinned against us. A forgiven person is a forgiving person. We can all take inventory of how we love like Jesus by the list of accounts that we seem to keep by those who have offended us, by those who have violated us, by by those who have sinned against us. And Jesus in his prayer says, Father, forgive us for our sins and help us to forgive those who have sinned against us. And Jesus modeled that from the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They, They don't know what they are doing. This prayer, it needs to be a time of confessing, confessing that God, we have sinned and fallen short of your glory. And it also should be a time we release anyone from the sins that they have done against us. So let's pray this part of the prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. You know, each week when we gather for worship, we take a time to pray like Jesus taught us to pray, but also to remember Jesus like he taught us to remember him. We do that by taking some bread and breaking it and remembering Jesus' body that was broken for us and taking a cup of juice and, and drinking that to remember his blood that was shed for us. And Paul gives some really important instructions in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, before you celebrate the Lord's Supper, you should examine yourself. What should we do in that moment to examine ourselves? Well, I think we need to come clean before God and ask for his forgiveness of the sins we've committed. But I also think we need to come clean before God, the harboring of resentment or unforgiveness we might have towards someone else. So I'm gonna encourage you to do that right now. When you came in to worship in person, you probably received bread and juice in a little uh, compartment. If you're worshiping online, I'd encourage you to get some, something to eat and something to drink right now. And we're gonna use these quiet moments to live out Jesus' prayer, asking God for forgiveness, and also asking him to help us forgive others. Let's do that right now.
next in the Lord's Prayer is actually a prayer of deliverance. After asking God to forgive us for the sins that we've committed against him and actually asking for his help to forgive those who may have sinned against us, Jesus now prays this prayer of deliverance. If confession is curative, then I think this prayer of deliverance is preventative. Whether it's an internal struggle with a temptation in your own life or you just recognize the evilness around you is just nipping at your heels all the time because of the evil one. Jesus is giving us power, power to live victorious through prayer. We know that scripture, from scripture, that God doesn't tempt anyone. God is not the source of temptation. And so the phrase in the Lord's Prayer may be better ordered, God, deliver us from the evil one so that we will not be led into temptation because scripture is very clear that Satan is the tempter. He tempted Jesus, so why do we think that we should get off the hook, right? I love the fact of what scripture is very clear about God, but also very clear about Satan and his nature. That John 10, 10 tells us that his aim in life is to kill, steal, and destroy us. And Paul writes many a time that our battle in life is not against flesh and blood, but it's really against the principalities, the authorities, the powers of this evil world that are at the command of the evil one, but his control is limited. His control is thwarted by God who is more powerful. We need to keep that in mind when we pray. That doesn't mean that evil doesn't abound around us. And so when we pray, we're asking God to deliver us from the evil one and also to not let us be tempted. In 2019, in August, Greg Pruitt, one of our global partners came and he gave a workshop on prayer. My wife and I attended that. Many of you probably have read the book, Extreme Prayer that, that Pruitt wrote. And after hearing that workshop, I made something a daily practice in my prayers, specifically for my children. This prayer of deliverance that Jesus prays. And every morning I pray for Kendall and Cade and Jenna, for, for God to put a hedge of protection over him and to deliver them each from the evil one. That Satan would not have a, a foothold or stronghold in their life and that God would tear down any foothold or stronghold that, that Satan has built or is trying to build. It's a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. It's a bold prayer, and we can pray it with power. Through prayer, we can put on the, the full armor of God to take our stand against the evil one and his barrage against us, because the power's not from us. The power is from God, and through prayer, we have access to that. So let's pray in confidence this portion of the Lord's Prayer as we ask him to deliver us from the evil one and lead us not into temptation. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's also remember that praise and prayer is how we fight our Bibles. Let's sing this song together. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I release control. Because this is how I fight my battles. To the power 
that we can't fight temptation on our own. We can't fight the evil one on our own. You haven't asked us to. You haven't abandoned us. You haven't left us to do this on our own. So right now, Father, we just come open-handed before you and ask that you would teach us to be a people who relinquish our control up our grip. Father, we learn the easy way. Your yoke, you say your yoke is easy, your burden is light. And I pray that you would teach us, teach us to walk with that mentality. That your yoke is easy, your burden is light, because you have invited us to cast our cares on you, to confess when we're struggling, to acknowledge the dark places within our hearts, within our minds, to lay it at your feet in confession, to pick up the sword of the spirit, the power of the spirit, and to fight a battle that's really already been won. Father, teach us, teach us how to walk in your ways, how to walk in your truth. Sing that, this is how I fight one more time. Yes, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles.
comes to mind today, something you've been holding on to in a tight grip, unforgiveness, a sin pattern. I don't know what it is, but the Lord has invited you. He has invited you in to relinquish control of whatever that thing is. And he has invited you to pick up the sword of the spirit, to pick up the power that raised him from the dead and to, has invited us to receive that as our own. And so today we acknowledge that he is light, that he is salvation, that he is our rest. Let's sing this again to him, that your name is light. Just acknowledge who he is. Sing this out. Your name is light that the shadows can't deny. actually the same place he started with adoration. Many of you may be aware that this last phrase that we practice and, and pray isn't recorded in the original manuscript of scripture. It was actually a, a common doxology in the ancient world that was added to the Lord's prayer. It's not wrong to pray. It's again purposeful to direct our gaze back to our Father who is sovereign over all creation. That it's his kingdom and it's his power and it's his glory that we exist for. It's his kingdom, his power, his glory that we declare with our mouths, we declare with our lives. It's his kingdom, it's his power, it's his glory that we want for the world to know. And so our prayers are focused on praising God for who he is. And so would you join me in praying this prayer one last time? Our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You're on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. our service to a close, I just want to share uh, one thing that I'm really excited about for, for our church. Because truthfully, I believe, like I have this growing conviction that God is moving, that God is wanting to do something, and that he's wanting to do something new and fresh in his church. I also believe what the Bible says, that if we seek him with all of our hearts, he will answer. He will hear our prayer, and he will answer. And we have this, this conviction as a church that that prayer is to our mission what breathing is to living. And so in an effort to try and take that even more seriously, 
we want to commit to something together as a church. Through these five weeks of, of our prayer series, we want to commit to unified prayer. That means taking one single idea and taking it to the Lord together regularly. So as a, as a staff, we started just seeking the Lord for what is this thing? What is, what is for this season, what does our rally cry need to be as a church? We believe that God is on the move, but we want to, uh, we started feeling the, the prompting to pray for these obstacles to be removed. Obstacles like, like the sneaky idolatry that can creep in. Obstacles like fear or pride and ego. We started to feel uh, those ideas coalesce into a one specific prayer that we want to identify as a church. And it's, it's actually uniting with the prayer that Jesus prayed uh, during his final moments here on earth. It was for unity. You see, it's taking the idea of praying in unity and actually making that the object, the subject of our prayer, praying for unity as well. We live in one of the most polarized times in history. And not just the polarization we see in our country, but we see that the church, God's church has been polarized, divided. And yet Jesus made this his singular focus toward the end of his life. So we wanna honor that. We wanna prioritize that. So as we as a church are beginning, uh, are continuing rather to learn about prayer, we're gonna commit to praying for unity. Unity in God's global church. We've also seen the church of our country fractured, divided. For those of you who've been around our city for any length of time, you know that the story of the church in our community is broken, it's fractured. We can even zoom in on this specific congregation and know that we have seen brokenness, we have seen fracture. God wants more. He wants us to be one together as he, Jesus, is one with the Father. And so to be able to do that together as a church, we just have a simple reminder that we wanna send you every day at noon for the next few weeks. If you text the word unity to our church number, you're gonna get a reminder each and every day to pray one singular prayer, simple prayer every single day. I'll warn you, it's simple, but it, when God answers it, it can be powerful, it can be difficult, it can be compelling. So I wanna encourage you to go ahead and pull out your phone now. Text the word unity to our church number. And every day at noon, starting today, you're gonna to get a reminder to pray this prayer that I wanna pray over our church together. God, we long to see you move. And we confess that our disunity has hindered that. Expose our brokenness. Heal your church. Make us one. God, this is our united prayer as a church. We put it before you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, thank you for taking this journey with us. Um, I hope that today has helped us to experience what it looks like to pray like Jesus, but maybe you need to receive some prayer. Uh, you can do that by visiting the prayer tables out, uh, the high top tables out there in the atrium. Find somebody with a red lanyard. They would love to hear your story and to pray with you. 
And uh, I just want to bless you as you go on your way today and this week. And look forward to praying with you every day at noon for the next few weeks. Have a good day and a good week. We'll see you next week.